welcome everybody. This is Podcast versus Podcast. Those were the sweet, sweet sounds of Eat Shriek Beak. No, the album's Eat Shriek Beak. Yeah. The band yeah, is no, no, I, Baby I, Birds I, Don't Drink Milk. The song is Eating with Horses. That's our theme song. And, and this we is... are Podcast versus Podcast. Exactly. Thank you so much. I don't feel like we have to say all three elements. I feel like we just have to say the song title, the band title, or the album title. Well, here's the thing. We don't have to... Well, hold on. Just the album title is not enough. Uh, I disagree. If we were listening to Rumors and I said that was the sweet, sweet sound of Rumors, that was the sweet, sweet sounds of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Right. Well, those two albums are enormously famous. Right. Like, I know who made Sgt. Pepper's. I know who made Fleetwood Mac. Well, we know who made Eat Beak. Well, we do, but that's not, like, common knowledge. Also, if someone's like, oh, okay, Eat Beak, I'll go check that out. They go listen to the first track. This doesn't sound anything like their theme song. Well, keep Completely listening. Completely different. Keep listening, dummies. Oh, they get to the second track. They there should it is. see by that point. There it is. Oh, it's an album. It's an album. I get it now. Yeah. Like, I hear what you're saying, but it's not strange. It's a little bit like saying you created an omelet. <laughs> you know? Uh, this is a podcast where we take turns pitching podcasts to each other, and at the end of the episode, we vote on which podcast pitch that day is a better one. If we agree, then we quit this podcast forever. We do that one instead. It's a, it's a long-running show. Very long-running. Oh, episode... you know what? We're not that long. Like, we've only been around for three years. Has it been three years? We're in year three right now. That's wild. Right? That's or wild is this year hell. two? This I might be year four. This is episode 734. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're not a long-running show, though we've lasted way longer than most shows. I would say that we are... A compact running show, because so much content is put out on a regular basis. It's fucking wild. We're like the Control-Alt-Delete of the podcast world. Don't say that. We're better than that. Better than Control-Alt-Delete? We gotta be, gotta be better than Control-Alt-Delete. Actually, um, and this is my podcast today, okay. by the way, is I wanted to check up on Control-Alt-Delete and Tim What's-His-Name and see what's going on in that weirdo's life. Basically, for people who aren't familiar, Control-Alt-Delete is a webcomic, and it's been around for like 15 years, I feel like, at this point. Yeah, about... A long time. Yeah, close to 20 years, I think. Uh, Made by Tim Buckley. It's about a couple of gamers, uh, main characters, your typical crazy guy gamer, and he's got a malicious robot friend, and then he's got his cool, sensible friend, and then he's got his girlfriend, who's also his mom. Um, like your, your typical, a, a pretty typical webcomic setup in, um, in all honesty. Yeah. I think when it was newer, it was less typical, um, but it was still pretty typical. Yes. <laughs> it, like, uh, it, it was, it's one of the basis is, um, for like shitty gaming webcomics yes. that popped up in the in the early to mid to late 2000s. Yeah. Um but it was one of the earliest ones. Uh yeah, it was one of the earliest comics to rip off Penny Arcade. Yeah, a, a lot of guys sitting or standing around. Penny Arcade though, especially early Penny Arcade had a lot of like unique ideas and well, like hot takes and fun opinions. And early now... Penny Arcade did not. Early Penny Arcade was just True. as bad. Sorry, as... I'm, I guess I should say mid. There was a period from like maybe 2004 to like 2006 that there's like <laughs> a lot of good Penny Arcade strips. Like they they 
started doing stuff, some good stuff. They started having a little more fun. It wasn't all just about gaming. I used to be like really, really into Penny Arcade. Me too. Um, and every once in a while, I go like, first of all, I go check out like what's new in Penny Arcade, and the most recent strips like make me want to vomit. Like they're so fucking bad, they're terrible. And I always go like, it was always this bad, wasn't it? And I go check out older strips, and there's some funny stuff in the older strips. I... It wasn't always that bad. I completely agree. I feel like those guys are stretched thin now. But they also have – they do more important stuff than their comic. You know, they host major events, and they have a a pretty decent charity. I mean, kind it's okay. of. It's okay. <laughs> it, it, it's good. No, I, Getting know. games and entertainment to sick children I think is a really nice idea. Yeah, it's it just not as impressive as – like. I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah. all that effort. But we didn't get them the medicine. <laughs> but we got them the Game Boys. But I, I do, th- I, I should, I gotta catch myself because I think it is, yeah, good to. I think like sick people deserve to have fun too. Absolutely, and a video, like a, a handheld video game or whatever, is a great way to pass the time if you're stuck in the hospital. Like, yeah, and they also do like chemo or something. They also do toys and I think movies yeah. and stuff. Like, they do fun. like a lot of entertainment for the sick and the poor, which um, is cool. That's not. A, that's also not a charity. That there, I don't think there's a lot of charities dedicated to something like that either, because mm. it seems frivolous on the surface. Yeah, I think that a lot of people would be like, "No, I'm going to give, I'm going to spend my energy, you know, feeding the the homeless or whatever." <laughs> yeah, right. But that kind of is what makes it unique and important is the fact that I don't know if there's anyone else doing it. Like you see, like the toy mountains at Christmas yeah. for children. But that's uh, a whole other thing altogether. Um. Anyways, though. Anyways, yeah. Tim Buckley and Control Alt Delete never had a good period. No. Although there was a period that I liked it. There was a period when I, I was liked like eleven. It. Exactly. Exactly. But that was on me, not because Tim Buckley Buckley was doing anything exceptional at the time. Yeah, I just liked video game stuff. Exactly. I wanted to know everything about video games. This guy was telling jokes about my games. I was like, yeah, cool. Right on. And then you keep reading and you're like, ah, the art's not changing. (laughs) And the art's not great. (laughs) Art was never good. And then you have that whole dumb miscarriage storyline. That's pretty bad, yeah. Like, just... It's it's not a great comic. But you want to pitch a podcast where we, like, check up on them. Um, I... Honestly, I forget what the point of this whole fucking thing was. Um, I basically I went to check up on him. I kind of the base the sorry the point of the podcast was to check up on things we were obsessed with earlier in our lives and see if like Penny Arcade or Control Alt Delete if we were right about them when we liked them or wrong or right about them when we hated them and see if they've made any progress to right. date. Like, because that was one of the things that drove me away from Control Delete. Is somebody pointed out that the art style was bad, and then it's all I could see. I was like, "You're right. He recycles every background. Most of his figures are static, and it's it's a lot of standing around like with huge reams of dialogue that isn't that interesting." Yeah, I mean, when I used to like it, I was also spending a lot of my time reading sprite comics. Yeah, me too. If there's anyone uh, who doesn't know what those are, that's where people would make comics. But instead of um, drawing the art, they would take sprites ripped from video games and like pose them. Um, What were the like? uh, What would be good examples of that? Nuclear power. 
Uh, yeah, Ape It Theater. Ape It Theater was um was I think I think that one's probably if I went back and looked at that that would be the one that holds up the best. Um, because it tells a narrative. Like it, there's a whole there's a story happening there. Well, he's a uh he's kind of a good writer. Yeah. Um, and he's done other stuff since then. Like yes. he teams up with actual artists to create. Comics. He he's uh, I think his name is Brian Clevinger. Yes. Um. He uh he writes I think Atomic Robo. Uh. Was not Bob and George I used to read. Um. Yes. Which is yes. briefly read that myself. Very bad. I don't know why <laughs> I liked it. I think what I liked about it was that um I liked stuff that had complex storylines. Yes. And in Bob and George. There's multiple, like, lots of time travel and dimensional travel. And the way that those affect the storyline, to me, was interesting because I liked to, like, figure out the mechanics of it. Uh, I, the story wasn't good, but... <laughs> right, but there was a lot of tricky pieces and puzzles yeah. that needed to be unwrapped to get it. Um, that's... Yeah, so we would revisit stuff like that, exactly. See how yeah. bad Bob and George really was. With a with a modern eye, yeah. With a mature eye. Um, I recently revisited one of my favorite films yeah. ever. It's called Art School Confidential. Uh, I remember seeing that. And um, I <clears throat> I used to think it was incredible when we first met at film yes. school. This came up. Okay, because I talked about how good it was. You talked about how good it was. Yeah. And I remember seeing it, and my opinion of it was there's a lot of great scenes. Yeah. And some good bits. But overall, it is not as exciting. It's not as it's not as not exciting is the right the, the wrong word. It's not as fulfilling, sad, not as satisfying as I had hoped it would be. Yeah, um, kind of falls apart a bit. Yeah, I didn't really. Yeah, I I really didn't like it on my. I mean, you know, I like some of it. There's parts that are really very good. Um, there's like a handful of jokes and Adam Scott's in it. It as is a very good role yeah. for like one scene, um, but uh, overall it did not hold up. No, um, and uh, we could we could I guess we could talk about stuff like that. Exactly, that would be that would be an awesome conversation to have. Uh, I'm trying to think really quickly of a title for this. Um, I'm going to call it Mature Eye for these two guys. Okay, Mature Eye for these I, two guys. I I was originally going to call it Delete Control Alt Delete. But that's rude. I know it feels kind of it feels kind of <laughs> mean. I feel like people rag on Buckley enough, and so yeah. Tim, if you're listening, like good for you for making your own thing, man. And that's the thing. I went back. He has started changing his art style, which is very satisfying to see. It's nice yeah. to know that he's trying new things. It's still not good. It's still not good. And also, he went back and he edited his miscarriage comic. Yeah, I know that. I saw that. Yeah. I did not know about that. So this. All right, I just want to talk about this for a second because this okay. is so fucking stupid. It makes me angry. So he writes this weekly four-panel comic, or every three days, yeah. I think. He writes a, a few times a week, a four-panel comic, usually just guys sitting around playing video games, making jokes about the games. Uh, main character has a girlfriend. She gets pregnant. Uh, one Eventually, she has a miscarriage. Uh, Buckley had an, uh, wrote a big piece about this saying it was, I don't know, something about his life. Who, who it was it was uh it was very loosely based on something in his own life but it's it was shockingly bad writing because yes. it's a four panel silent comic of someone just rushing in to the hospital the main character what's his name and 
basically the Tim Buckley surrogate and finding his wife in the hospital bed crying because she's just miscarried their baby. Yeah. And then and then two comics later, we're back into the gags. Yeah. So it's like gag, 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 miscarriage, gag, gag, gag. And people dragged him for it. Yeah. For, they still are. They're still dragging him for it. It's a meme all on its own. So he went back and he edited the comic to show the main character now, like, looking out at the audience, like, giving this sly smile as if I'm in on the joke. I yeah. know. I get it. And it's like, what is the point of this? Like, <laughs> 10 years really... later, you're still fighting this battle? It was on, I think he did it on the 10-year anniversary of that comic on the day. So I guess he knew a lot of people were going to go look at that comic mm-hmm. and see what he did which is it's just like it's not funny and it's no and it's creepy it's creepy it's creepy it's not sad it's not emotionally affecting it's... because you have no reason to care <laughs> about this cartoon miscarriage that was preceded by nothing and followed by nothing um, it's like yeah. it's like a post-it note in the story joke 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 miscarriage here and joke 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 yeah. joke, joke it's <clears throat> anyways yeah, so this would be a show about dissecting the past and just re- revisiting things to determine... Because, I don't know, a-, a lot of stuff is like that, right? Even kids' shows, especially children's shows from our youth, most of it's terrible. Like, yeah, just it's for terrible. kids. Terrible. No, 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 that's that's a cop-out. It's not a cop-out. It is, not a, it is a cop-out, man, because there's good children's entertainment and there's bad children's entertainment. Sesame Street manages to be entertaining and tell stories. Mr. Sesame Street? Yeah. Tell us what are the stories that it tells? Um, have you ever gone and like watched some old Sesame Street? No, I don't I don't feel like doing that. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Um, they still have like they have a normal human they have normal interactions between characters. They like if they have a sketch, there's like a a little arc to that sketch. I'm not saying like there's series narratives okay. to fucking Sesame Street. But then go back and watch something, I don't know, Transformers. Okay. Trash. And that's a that's a serial narrative. Um, I can't believe that you would say that uh, Sesame Street is telling better stories than Transformers. I, I'm not saying, oh, I'm not comparing the two directly. <laughs> I'm not comparing the two directly. Though I do kind of agree. <laughs> okay. I think that, like, I can't believe you think that there's no good children's entertainment. Like, that all children's entertainment is bad. That's not what that's, I mean. You just said it's bad. It's children's I just, entertainment. Well, no, no. I mean, it, it's shows that are for kids, they don't have to be good because kids um, don't care. Uh, but kids do care. And adults that watch it with kids care. And there is, like, there's such a line Well, I think that between making something that's just a distraction to sell toys and something that actually feels like it's got some weight to it. Like, okay, what about... What about something like Mr. Uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? How do you feel about a show like that? Right. I mean, it's not good. Are you it's for kids? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is uh, mental. But you don't see a distinction there? You don't see that as a show that has like heart and emotional what? weight to it? Well, I'm sure it does. It's just... Uh, do you even know? Like, I... You're doing the thing right now Things... where you're just being glib. Well, yeah. You are being unnecessarily glib. Um, I mean, I think I'm being necessarily glib. I don't think you are. Um, listen, I'm going to pitch a podcast to you. All right, let's hear it. It's about my time on Sesame Street. Great. Um, 
so this would be a uh, a, a mini series. When you were put into that trash can with Oscar the Grouch, you were Eric the Sass Boy. No, I was. Uh, I appeared in a segment in a cooking segment, and we made alphabet soup. I have a tough time believing any of this. I and I should have the VHS somewhere still somewhere. I'll find it eventually. So you flew out to New York to film this segment? No, they flew to Winnipeg to film this segment. That's really funny. And I'm I play a prominent part in the segment because I I guess I was a screen hog or something when I was 5 uh-huh. years old. Um fair. And uh, so this would be a podcast where we talk about, first we would talk about the episode that I appeared in. Okay. We would talk about my segments. We would do, uh, we would talk about like theories, like what does this mean for like, if I'm canonically in Sesame Street, right. what does that mean about the podcast versus podcast universe? How is that canon to Sesame Street? We would talk about like um, how good that, that alphabet soup that we made, how good is it really? It's probably wasn't very good. It was made by a bunch of five-year-olds. Right. Um, and yeah, we could talk about all sorts of stuff. We could talk about the critical reception to my performance in Sesame Street. Right, 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 right. This doesn't sound, A, it doesn't sound real. I don't believe you were on Sesame Street. <laughs> I was on Sesame Street. I don't believe you. And I think, uh, cause you would be a lot, you would be a lot prouder of, of yourself if that was true, if you'd been on something that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You think that my uh my my self sense of self self worth would be higher? A, a little bit. Mm. A little bit. I think your valuation of Sesame Street would be higher as well if you had, had actual experience on the show. <laughs> no, it's not true. Uh, I think it's very true. I think it's very true. I think it's completely untrue that you were making. Would you say alphabet soup? Alphabet soup. Yeah. So what was the uh, what was the bit for that? Like, was it just showing you making this recipe? It was just showing, uh, yeah, there was no bit at all. Did they was... talk to you? Or, did you, like, mm. were you asked questions? No. This is your life, like... Eric. You should be able to tell me more. It, well, first of all, I don't remember it very well. Except that you have it on VHS. Yeah, I've what I've seen, Right. Uh, there's no, like, narration or anything. Or, or like, um, the kids aren't really talking. Right. We're just, like, throwing vegetables in a big pot. Is there narration? No, it just said that there was no narration. There's no narration. Is just... there music? What the fuck is this there's, bit? Yeah, there's some music, yeah. I don't think this was an episode of Sesame Street. <laughs> I think your parents responded to a Craigslist ad. <laughs> and you are repressing some things. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I was on Sesame Street. Okay. Okay. I... So we would talk about that, and that's the podcast that I vote for. Well, it's not on your IMDb. <laughs> Um, I doubt I was credited, which is bullshit. I should be getting royalties. <laughs> yeah. Every every time they show that alphabet soup clip from Winnipeg, <laughs> raking that money. Apparently, I'm I'm told that uh, apparently on the day, so it, it was like a like a parent and child cooking yeah. class, like a week long thing where we would come in and like make peanut butter cookies and stuff which i don't remember any of the it was a waste of time right because i don't know how to make those things but um the day that they brought like the sesame street camera crew in uh they also brought like a guy dressed up as big bird so all the kids would you know um it's, it's like a reward for the kids for that's cool um hanging out with the tv crew and stuff and being good and while all the kids were distracted by big bird the slide was completely unoccupied. I went and slid up and down, over and Smart. over. 
I was like, smart. These fucking clowns are gonna go hug a big bird. No way. I'm gonna go down the slide, baby. Right. So I see now. Yeah. That you were set against Sesame Street from the start. And that you have got some, like, seriously traumatic memories of whatever this day was where this man in this costume (laughs) accosted you and made you make soup. For him, I assume. I don't know, man. Um, So, do you know what you vote for, though? Yeah, obviously I'm going to vote for mine because Uh, your show, you don't even know if you have this VHS tape. I should have it somewhere. Yeah, you should have it somewhere. Why don't you come back and pitch this show again when you have something we can actually work with? Because okay. I'm not going to vote for a show, and then we start making it, and you're like, oh, I don't have the VHS tape. Oh, I was never on Sesame Street. Oh, I only made up the story as kind of like a, a straw man <laughs> argument against children's uh, entertainment having value. Uh, maybe we should um, uh, just watch through every episode of Sesame Street, and then eventually my episode will pop up, and I'll be like, oh, there it is. See, that's me. That would be fun because I would like to make a compilation with you of the best sketch comedy on Sesame Street and the best creepy animation on Sesame Street. And there's a lot of creepy animation in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? No. Do you remember that? Uh, Okay. Well, we'll dig it up. Okay. We'll dig it up. People, if you know what I'm talking about, hit us up on on Twitter at PodcastVS and uh, shoot Eric some some horrifying Sesame Street videos. Oh, great. I love to be horrified. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.